Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. They've got an amazing organic super greens product that makes getting your greens super simple and easy. They have 23 organic superfoods in each scoop, each with their own unique benefit for boundless natural energy. And their powder is really in a class of its own. You see, most greens products contain cereal grasses and certain proteins that can cause digestive distress and inflammation as well. You see, most of them have things like wheat grass and barley grass, and those cereal grasses contain a lectin called wheat germ agglutinin or WGA, which is highly inflammatory. Certain experts believe that WGA may be as responsible for the health damaging effects of wheat as gluten. And many who are gluten sensitive also have issues with WGA. So Paleo Valley set out to produce the best, highest quality organic super greens powder without the cereal grasses. And they use only the finest, most bioavailable superfoods, helping your body absorb those valuable vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and enzymes found in each delicious serving. There's no fillers, no indigestible ingredients, just 23 nutrient-rich organic superfoods full of the nutrients you need for a vibrant, healthy life. And it's so easy. It'll only take you 30 seconds a day. You simply add a scoop to a glass of water or milk or smoothie like coconut milk or making a smoothie or even your favorite baked goods recipe and make your day that much healthier. It's USDA organic, gluten-free, non-GMO, no fillers, no cereal grains. It is low carb, zero added sugars, no sugar alcohols or artificial sweeteners, keto-friendly, You guys are going to love this stuff. Guys, check it out at paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers, my last name at checkout to save 15% off your order. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash jockers. Use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You know, one of the big things we've been talking a lot about is this idea of precision medicine right? Not just kind of a one size fits all approach to healthcare. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the the mainstream media, um, government agencies, they really promote more of kind of a one size fits all. It's like everybody should do this. But the more we're learning about human physiology, the more realizing there's so much individual differences between people. And so we really need to understand certain dynamics about each individual that makes them unique. And they're going to respond to different foods, to different lifestyle strategies, different things to support their immune system um, that may be different from somebody else. And so we really have to have this idea of precision medicine and really trying to fine tune 
understand how your physiology works so you can follow the best program to optimize your own health. And so for this topic, I have got a great expert, Dr. Matt Dawson. He is a precision medicine physician in Lexington, Kentucky. He's a co-host of the Wild Health Podcast, fantastic podcast. They just recently interviewed me, a lot of great guests on their podcast. So check it out, Wild Health Podcast. And he's the founder and CEO of wildhealth.com. Dr. Dawson has won national awards for education, innovation, and leadership. He has lectured in over 20 countries and trained thousands of other physicians through live lectures, online education, two textbooks, and an educational app. He actually has a great program for, uh, for, for well, for if you're out there and you're just looking for health coaching, you got to check out wildhealth.com. They have got a phenomenal health coaching program with labs and genetic testing and things like that. And we'll talk about that in this interview. And then if you're a physician or a health coach, if you're somebody out there that wants to grow in your expertise and your ability to really provide precision medicine for the people in your life and for clients that you may be coaching, he actually has a great fellowship program as well. So just go to wildhealth.com. You'll, you'll see the, uh, the header for the for the fellowship program. And you can check that off and you can get 20% off uh, any of those memberships. You know, if you're looking for coaching or if you're looking for um, the fellowship, just by using my last name, Jockers. And guys, you'll definitely want to check it out because these are, this is a really in-depth program to help you get to the root cause. If you were, you know, again, a, a, uh, somebody that's just looking for health improvements or somebody that is uh, looking to improve their clinical skills. And so, um, check that out. Uh, Dr. Dawson, welcome to the podcast here. Thanks so much. I'm excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. Well, let's start by this idea of precision medicine. How, that, how does that differ from traditional medicine? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I came from the traditional medicine world. I was just seeing patients uh, and pretty quickly, like other providers, if you're out there and you're, you're practicing medicine, you, you see that it just doesn't work like the regular paradigm, like people aren't getting better. And, and a big part of that is because of this kind of one size fits all approach. We, we treat patients in our regular system based on statistics and epidemiology. Like if you go to your doctor and, and want advice, they're going to say, well, do this because the studies say it works when what they're really saying is what the studies are really saying is this works for 60% of people or 70 or 80 or most people. Um, but you're not 70 or 80% of people, you're, you're you. So we take a very different approach in every patient that we see. We sequence their DNA. Uh, we look at their blood work, look at microbiome, do questionnaires, and really dig into the specifics to see what will work for you. We, uh, Mike, who I co-founded Wild Health with, um, we kind of had this epiphany for ourselves when he went through kind of a tough medical issue. His lipids were really high. It's like dangerously high, not a little bit high. And his physician told him to do a certain diet that works for most people, but he got worse. Um, his physician then wanted to put him on a statin, which a lot of people are on. He was a little worried about having muscle breakdown myopathy. And sure enough, he yet didn't tolerate it at all, had kind of extreme muscle breakdown, didn't tolerate it. And as he was going through this, we had just sequenced our DNA. This is before we were practicing this way. We were just seeing all the emerging science. Um, and we saw pretty quickly looking at his DNA that he needed to be on the opposite diet of what his doctor said. And we saw that he had a SNP, a single nucleotide polymorphism that made him almost guaranteed to have that muscle breakdown from the statin. And we were just, initially we were kind of angry, 
because we're like, why does doctor not know this? And then we realized that no one was doing this. The science was there, but no one was actually practicing this way. And that's when we realized like this needs to be done. And we started doing it for friends and family, started getting amazing results. And eventually we went all in and, and started Wild Health to, to do it in earnest for anyone. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. And, you know, genetics is really an emerging science, understanding how these single nucleotide polymorphisms, how they, you know, basically express themselves and result in certain health outcomes for, for individuals. And then you're also combining that, you said, with looking at the microbiome and the makeup of the microbiome, you're looking at certain lab markers, uh, and then you're just looking at kind of, I would imagine, just uh, a patient health history, right? Understanding their uniqueness, understanding certain things that they may, may be challenged with or lifestyle uh, strategies that they may be applying currently at the time, kind of putting all that together, right, into kind of creating the best possible program for them. What, um, what are some of the key lab markers? And, and we'll also talk about, uh, like, for example, with, with Mike, what were some of the key lab markers that jumped out? And then what were the, the, the SNPs in particular that let you know that, for example, he wasn't going to be able to metabolize that statin well? In fact, it was almost guaranteed to cause uh, problems, muscle breakdown problems and uh, problems with, with his ability to metabolize that. And then also on top of that, what was the diet that he was following and what SNPs did he have that that basically indicated that that diet wasn't going to be the best for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's really, it's really interesting and, and um, funny, like his, at the time um, I've, I've done a ketogenic diet for, for a long time. I respond very well to it. Um, and uh, at the time his physician uh, told him to do that, which it works for the vast majority of people. Like if you look at the studies about 85% of people, and I'm looking at the book behind you, the keto metabolic breakthrough, it, yeah. it just works for most people. Um, however, what happened to Mike when he went on a ketogenic diet is his uh, lipids went way higher, but also more importantly than that, his inflammatory markers went through the roof. He felt horrible. And what we found when we look at his genetics, he had, a long list of these of homozygous um, risk alleles for PPAR alpha, PPAR gamma, all these FTO SNPs, all these APOA2, all of these things that when I looked at my genetics, I didn't have any of them. Mm. And so when I eat a ketogenic diet, I do really well. And what we found is he needed to be on not a vegan diet, but almost. And when he did that, like his numbers got beautiful. And he and I have done all these experiments over the years when once we saw our genetics were that different, we would do experiments where for two days straight, we would eat the exact same food, one on one that met my genomics, one that was more for his. And when I eat what is right for him, I feel like crap, I can't perform. And when he eats the more of the ketogenic diet, so I eat almost all animals, he's almost all plants, mm -hmm. and all our inflammatory markers and everything else are good. And it was a it was a shocking thing. And it was a, it was one of those things where we're like, Oh, okay. Like he's in this minority of folks, but wouldn't it be great to identify them? Another great example of that is um, caffeine. We've known for decades that caffeine is an ergogenic aid. It makes you perform better because all the studies say that, well, it turns out about 80% of people or so, or the majority are fast metabolizers. And when they've done studies of, of cyclists, for example, they put them to have them do a 10 K time trial. And the cyclists who are fast metabolizers get a really great performance benefit from caffeine. The ones that are slow metabolizers, they actually perform worse with caffeine. 
But every study you look at has a benefit with caffeine because they don't separate these people out. So we're ignoring that minority. But if we can identify that minority, which we do, we take care of um, quite a few NFL and NBA athletes and Olympians. When we tease that out, we can help them actually perform better based on their uniqueness, not just what works for most people. Yeah. And when it comes to caffeine, some of the major SNPs you're looking at are what? CYP1A2, right? I know that uh, yeah. that one's a big one with liver clearance, the cytochrome P450. What else are you looking at with that? Is that the, the main one? That's the main one around how whether you metabolize it fast or not. Another one that is kind of important is Adora 2A. If you have an Adora 2A certain risk allele, what that means is caffeine is going to affect your sleep worse. So for I just tell you a story. I had uh, an NBA client, a high performing max contract guy who um, had a lot of problems with mood and just was having some issues in general. And after talking to them, I found out what he was doing is they would have their games in the in the evening they play at night beforehand he would crush these red bulls a ton of caffeine because everybody else on the team did it turns out he was a slow metabolizer and had an adora 2a and so he his sleep was trash he couldn't sleep till four or five in the morning get up just in time for shoot around try to take a nap but he's all off and when we got when we saw he's a slow metabolizer had an adora 2a we got him to back off on that got him on a regular cycle and he had the best season of his career last year for a while he was in the mvp talks but that that kind of thing just identifying those those couple things made a tremendous difference for this guy in his performance and the crazy thing is most people even most of these elite athletes don't know don't have that type of information to optimize their performance yeah it makes such a big difference yeah that was one thing i found is that i actually i'm a slower caffeine metabolizer and, but it's something I, I kind of realized. So I would drink, if I drank a regular cup of coffee, I would just get jittery. I'd have more cravings. I just didn't feel good. I can do about a half a cup or roughly like 40 to 50 milligrams of caffeine kind of earlier in the day. And then I feel great, right? If I do, you know, the average cup is like 80 to hundred milligrams of caffeine. Some people, I mean, so there's studies out there show like people that are doing like 200 milligrams a day have reduced risk of dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. But if that was me doing it, I'd probably have an increased risk because uh, my body's not able to metabolize it well, which means my blood sugar is going to be higher. I'm going to have greater tendency towards insulin resistance and inflammation. So yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. some things like caffeine, sometimes you can, if you're paying attention to your body, you yeah. can kind of say, oh, you know what? I just don't feel as good as, you know, so, you know, my wife who can drink, you know, a couple cups of coffee and feel great, uh, and sleep great. Um, you know, but that's something you can easily see and feel, but there's a lot of things that you can't. And that's where a lot of this, this sort of testing is really helpful. And then, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't even, they don't even really think about how their body's responding. They just think, well, if my friend's doing this, my friend says it's good, or I read this, or I saw this on, on the internet, um, and it's good. It must be good for me, even if I don't feel good. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and it's funny, like some people we, we see, they have already, like you, they're, they're sensitive, they've, they've kind of figured it out, and they've figured out a lot of these, and it's kind of an aha moment, like, oh, this is why uh, I'm different, yeah. and I perform this way. And whereas other people, it's just like, um, it's a light bulb going off of this is why I feel so bad. Like, now I get it. I'm not going crazy. Like, now I know I need to not eat wheat and gluten because I have an SH2B3 polymorphism or or whatever it is, like the um, the collagen 5A1. That was kind of a, for me, one of the light bulb moments. I, I kind of talked about Mike. Um, I was 
um, I was doing Ironman triathlons, a lot of endurance uh, activities at the time when I was going through this. And I just constantly, I was having the injuries, I constantly ached. And I saw that when I looked at my genetics around exercise, I had a collagen 5A1 polymorphism that made me much higher risk of tendinopathy and, and soft tissue injuries. And I recovered more slowly, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I get a higher kind of inflammatory response to exercise. So I realized I needed to back off on my volume and eat more collagen protein. And once I started eating more sardines, bone broth, recovering more, my performance went way up. And I didn't feel like a 70-year-old man, even though I was in my 30s at the time. Yeah, that's a huge one. And I actually also have that as well. And so I'm at a greater risk for injury. And, you know, I always kind of intuitively knew this. And so, you know, CrossFit, for example, as a exercise program got really, really popular. And I remember thinking, you know, and this is when I was in clinical practice, I was a chiropractor, I was seeing a lot of patients on a daily basis. And it was very physical, I was doing a lot of chiropractic adjustments, as well as functional medicine. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't abnormal for me to adjust 50 people a day, you know, if not more. Um, and I realized like I, these power lifts, um, you know, cleans, things like that. I just felt like, man, I was putting so much stress on my wrists. I, I can't do this. I'm not going to exercise like this. I'll still exercise, but I need movements that are just less volatile and impact, you know, just lower impact. Uh, and that, you know, and I just realized th this is not going to be the best approach for me. So again, an intuitive approach there, but later on, I found out that I had the same issues with my collagen and that I wasn't able to recover as, as quickly. And I need more recovery, I need more rest time, uh, you know, between intense workouts as well. Yeah. And some people are smart enough and listen to their bodies to kind of, yeah. to kind of get it. And if I'd been tuned in, I probably would have just realized, Hey, I'm doing too much volume, but for me, at least I'd need that kind of objective marker and something to, to look at and say, Oh, this is, I need to do it this way and change my, change my habits. Yeah. That's so critical. So, so important. Now you guys are obviously, you're looking at the genetics. What are some, some major lab markers that you really like to, to hone in on? Yeah. So, and the way that I think about this is, is the DNA and the genetics are critically important. Mm -hmm. um, but DNA is not destiny. I, even though we're kind of a genomics based precision medicine company, we, we, we are very upfront with people that DNA by itself is almost worthless. Like DNA is kind of like your operating system, but epigenetics and everything you do, what you eat, um, your exercise, your stress levels, what you're exposed to turn on and off all those good and bad genes. So we also need to take a really um, detailed picture of where you're at now. And that's what we do with the blood work, everything that makes you feel and perform a certain way. So we do a pretty big panel, much bigger than people have usually ever had drawn before I me. Mean, maybe if they've been to a functional medicine practitioner like you, they'll have that panel, but it's a, it's a pretty big, big panel. We do all the, the normal CBC, CMP and all that, but then lipids, we do a more advanced NMR lipid panel, looking at all the different particle sizes. When it comes to methylation, we can look at a lot of different things like homocysteine, which I know you're testing. Um, uh, deeper dive into certain vitamins and minerals and micronutrients you don't usually, usually get, not just the vitamin D, but your CoQ10, your omega-3s, all the different omega-3s, all the hormones as well, because those are just critically important for how we feel all the inflammatory markers, your CRP, your A to G ratio, LP, PLA2, and then all your insulin resistance and metabolism markers as well. So it's a pretty big panel that we look at. Yeah. And we don't always draw that big of a panel, but when we start out, we do because 
for us, we have to have both sides, the genomics, um, which is your operating system and your potential and then where you are. And the difference in what we do than I think what a lot of people do is we combine them. Like every, every, this, every recommendation we make is based on a complex picture of all of the data plus what we can't measure. Um, as an example, um, you may have a VDR SNP that makes you at risk for being low in vitamin D. Well, what is your vitamin D? And then where do you live? Are you in Florida in the summer? Or are you in Alaska in the winter? So all of those things taken together are going to help us with the recommendation of, do you just need to eat more shiitake mushrooms and organ meats? Or do you need a vitamin D supplement? Or do you need nothing, just a little more sun? And so every decision we make is based on the combination of genomics, blood work, and the phenotypic data of your lifestyle and, and how you feel and perform. Yeah, that's so important. And just really understanding those labs, combining them with, with your genetics to help understand what's taking place there. And when we're talking about like homocysteine, for example, let's talk a little bit about that and why that's so important to look at. Yeah, it's, it's our um, main marker we use just for, for methylation and yeah. helping us determine if someone, how well they're methylating. I mean, methylating, uh, methylation affects kind of all of your, your functions. So if that's high, then we're going to recommend things to improve that methylation, maybe more choline or, or TMG or something like that. So that's, it's just an important one that kind of affects, affects everything. And yeah, we, I know in general, B12 and folate play a big role with that, but sometimes people will have like high serum B12, right. Or high folate, but still have high homocysteine. It's not coming down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, and you're right. Like we look initially, the first things we look at are, is there a deficiency in B12 and, and, and folate. And we also look at their genetic risk factors for being lower mm -hmm. in folate and B12 as well. And if someone has a combination of those, we're going to replace. Um, but then we also have some pretty good results sometimes with just choline, eating more of that eggs, mm -hmm. fish, things like that, or then even supplementing with that as well. In general, we try to solve as many problems as we can with lifestyle and diet. Yeah. Um, but we're not afraid to supplement. And, and occasionally, I mean, we are uh, physicians and we prescribe too. So we're not afraid to prescribe medications as well. We just want to use those usually more as a bridge to fix the lifestyle problem first and not as a, not as a, um, just slapping it on and think we fixed the problem just because we're fixing a, a symptom. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment and tell you about my new book, The Fasting Transformation. I am so excited about this book. It is a functional guide to help you burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. Fasting is the most ancient form of natural medicine. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting improves your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in your body, optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and helps activate stem cells and deep cellular healing. Guys, you're gonna learn so much from this book. You can check it out, The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or on our webpage, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. So check that out now. You guys are gonna love the book. And if you have a chance, leave a review on Amazon. Thanks so much. For sure. And what are some of the, let's talk about like some of the supplements that you've seen be the most effective for certain people based on, you know, for example, lab testing and genetics. Everything we do is uh, kind of personalized medicine. So yeah. it's different for everybody. I mean, just in general, 
the things that tend to make the biggest difference for folks where they're usually deficient, at least in the Americans that, that we talk to are vitamin D and omega-3. Mm -hmm. um, those two are ones where if someone's not supplementing, we're just usually not eating enough fish and we're not getting enough sunlight. Um, so those are two, two pretty big ones. Um, the having more choline or TMG, um, a fair amount, we'll use that. The collagen 5A1, if someone can't get enough collagen in their, their diet, um, uh, quick to have them take some collagen peptides as well. Um, but it's extremely personalized. I mean, it's, that's the great thing about having the data. Um, I think a lot of people just, a lot of physicians, other see just put everybody on vitamin D and omega-3. We, we look at the data for all those individual things and base the supplements on that. Yeah. And some people have vitamin D resistance where they will take, you know, a pretty solid dose of vitamin D, but it really won't budge much of their vitamin D on, on the lab, right? Their vitamin D will kind of stay there. What are some of the, the genetic SNPs that you're looking at there? What are some other factors that may cause vitamin D resistance from your experience? Yeah, um, uh, there's, a, there's a GC SNP that has an effect on kind of vitamin D binding. I already mentioned kind of a VDR yeah. SNP. Um, the individual, one important thing I think to say about uh, individual SNPs is like we talk about them a lot. Like people will hear about some like APOE and some of the bigger ones like that. We tend to also try to base our recommendations more on kind of polygenic risk scores and taking those in combination. One of the things that we found very early on in treating patients is that it was extremely difficult to take all of this information together, like to have 100,000 SNPs yeah. and all these blood markers. And so over the last three years, we've developed um, uh, an algorithm and um, the first kind of AI-driven precision medicine platform. So that's what we use that crunches all of this. We we hired one of the first things we, I mean, I remember when Mike and I first started seeing patients, it would take us 10 hours to prepare for a patient. <laughs> We'd have hundreds of pages in front of us talking to them and we realized it was unsustainable. So we hired the lady who started the data science program for Humana and other software engineers. Now we have 20 full-time software engineers, data scientists, We've poured millions of dollars and three years into creating these this AI-driven uh, platform. And mm -hmm. so it will take all of the vitamin D SNPs, for example. It'll take all the cardiovascular risk factors, the dementia risk factors, crunches it for us, looks at the blood work as well, and it makes our job a lot easier <laughs> and just gives And it kind of spits out like, okay, here are some of the like areas to really be concerned about and to look at more closely based on that rather than isolating specific SNPs. Because really, like you said, they're 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 working in in groups, and that's so exactly kind of right. getting a group approach. Yep, that's exactly right. So, in the way we break down the report, we start like with diet, for example. So, I was mentioning Mike and some of his his dietary things. So, we'll have um, we get to that section. There's there are probably forty to fifty different SNPs we look at related to saturated fat intolerance, carb intolerance, uh, wheat and gluten sensitivity, all of these things, and it brings them all together. When we come to the cardiovascular and dementia section, it looks at all the different SNPs related to that to then give the recommendations on how to optimize. Um, but it, it, it pulls all that together. And then we do report on the individual SNPs just because people are curious, but in general, all the recommendations are usually based on polygenic um, risk scores that either we've we've taken from the literature or we've developed our, ourselves. We've done a little bit of each. Yeah, this is key. And you're also looking at the microbiome. What, what specific labs are you looking at there? What, what sort of patterns are you looking at with the microbiome? 
Yeah. So the microbiome is interesting. We, so we do look at specific species. We look at inflammation in the gut as well. We, we, in general, we built the algorithm to take the longevity test from Thorn and to, to pull that in and make recommendations. We used to get the microbiome tests for everyone. What we found is that we always, 100% of the time, get a lot of recommendations from the genomics. We always get a lot of information recommendations from blood work. With the microbiome, I think in general, we all know that it's critically important, but it's kind of like the, the bottom of the ocean. Like we know there's really cool things there that we haven't discovered. We know it's important, but we don't always know what to do with it yet. Mm. So yeah. while we will look at it and try to take it into account, if someone has a lot of inflammation in their gut or other issues, we certainly will use glutamine or other interventions to help, but we don't always use it because just because of the expense. And I honestly think we are we sometimes get a little bit out over our skis when it comes to the microbiome because we don't we just don't quite know how to um we, we know the basics like alcohol and sugar and vegetable oil is harmful for it we need yeah. more fiber like we we know like getting in the dirt and soil all these things are we know the kind of the good and bad um but it's harder to give precision recommendations about the about the microbiome um, than it is the blood work and the genomics yeah that's good and are there any genetics that you're seeing like whether it's SNPs or patterns that you're seeing associated with, for example, people that, you know, tend to deal with um, hypochloridria, right? Or low stomach acid and are at more at risk for developing things like SIBO, uh, small intestinal fungal overgrowth. You know, these are conditions that in functional medicine, we see quite often people with low stomach acid levels, people with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth. Are you seeing any specific patterns that are associated with people developing those? You know, we haven't, but I'm not, I think it's, I'm sure it's because we just haven't looked. Yeah. Um, those are, we, we've looked at thousands of studies that we base our algorithms on, and I haven't personally seen the studies on genomics and how it affects it. I'm sure yeah, I, I haven't either. That it does, but um, that'd be really interesting. I, it's funny. I think right now we know so much about genomics and it's excited compared to five years ago, but I think five years from now, we're going to be embarrassed <laughs> at what we know because <laughs> things like that, like I think we'll, yeah. we'll start to discover, especially now that we are, we, we just started early this year, a partnership with a company that was named the most innovative AI company in the world. Mm. We're, and that we're, we're adding their AI um, engine to our algorithms. And so to hopefully kind of learn and start discovering some things like that, looking at the phenotypic data and the genomics. So hopefully we'll start discovering some things like that in the future. So this is really, it's really fascinating because, you know, in functional medicine, typically people are you know, focusing like, like where I was classically trained was I would run lab work, blood work, maybe organic acid test or something like that. And then base my findings specifically off of that. And then I started getting a little bit more into the microbiome, maybe even looking at, you know, cortisol and kind of a, a dried urine uh, test for comprehensive hormones, looking at some of those things. Um, and then, you know, really over the last year or so, looking more at genetics, I had my own genetics run and looking more, more at that. And what you guys are doing is really combining all of it and putting into this algorithm to give yourself really to hedge your bets and give yourself the best possible chance to find exactly the right program that works for, for somebody. Yeah, we think it's, we think each of those pieces of the puzzle are important. None of them are sufficient uh, in and of themselves. And it's, and, um, and I think an important point to make too is that 
we're practicing precision medicine, but not perfect medicine. So even with what we're doing, it's still really important to have objective measures and to stay humble. So when we see someone that has a certain problem in their blood work, insulin resistance, what we want to fix, we look at the genomics and their lifestyle and the blood work to, to have a hypothesis about what to do. And that hypothesis is going to be better than if we didn't have the genetics, but then we will set an objective marker and say, this is our goal. This is what we want you to do. And then we're going to retest in a few months. So I do think it's, it's a better way to do it, but I always just like to bring that up that like, we need to have humility and know that it's not perfect. People are complex. And while we know a lot, we don't know everything and we need to continue to retest and iterate and um, have that relationship. I mean, your, your patients, you, you, you learn so much by following them over time. Like you, you've got an incredible amount of knowledge. It's going to be very helpful to get them well, but the longer you're with them, the better it's going to be. And it's the same thing for us. We find the power, not just in the genomics and the precision medicine, but following someone over time and continuing to iterate on the recommendations. Yeah, that is so cool. And, and now your team, obviously you're seeing uh, clients from all around the world. Obviously you mentioned working with high level athletes, people with high performance, um, but you're working with all different demographics. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we, we, um, when we started a, a difficult thing was that because of this 10 hours, it takes us for prep time. Um, yeah. That's expensive. And, and it was a very expensive program and that bothered um, us quite a bit. I I grew up in um, pretty much in poverty and, and like yeah. so where I came from, people wouldn't be able to afford it because of the algorithms and the kind of the AI and the technology. Now it's much less expensive. So we're pretty much anyone could afford it. So now we aren't just taking care of pro athletes and CEOs. We're, we're taking care of, of anyone from all, from every walk of life. And, and we're, we're, we are in, in the U S only right now when it comes to treating patients, because we're practicing actual, we're practicing medicine. It's, and so we have to have state licenses and things like that, but, but we're in all 50 States. We see, like I said, I have, um, max contract NBA players, Olympic athletes. We also, I mean, one of my first patients ever was my grandmother and she came to us because she had Alzheimer's disease. And, um, when I first saw her, her Montreal cognitive assessment, her MOCA score was a 16. And normally with Alzheimer's, you just want to slow the decline, go 16, 15, 14, instead of 16, 10, five. Um, but after three months of having her on the precision program, she went, her MOCA went from 16 to a 20. And that, while she's not going to be dunking a basketball, um, that's a massive yeah, thing huge. for her and the family. So yeah, whether it's a grandfather, like who wants to dance at his granddaughter's wedding or an athlete trying to go pro, we, we kind of work with anybody that wants to optimize. Yeah, that's amazing. So if somebody goes to wildhealth.com, they can find a, a practitioner in the area, or do you guys mostly work virtual? How does that work? Yeah, it's 100% telemedicine. So it's, yeah. and it's in all 50 states. So we have um, a lot of providers. And so it doesn't matter what state you're in. If you just sign up for a program, then we just assign a physician that that has the medical license there. And it's um, quite simple, like the, the genomics, the DNA test, the slide test gets sent to your house, return it, a blood test order is sent to you, you just go to a local draw station, get it drawn, and then we schedule a, a meeting and go over it and, and go from there. So, yeah. So the main labs are that you're looking at are the genomics and the blood test to start. That's the start. And then you mentioned yeah. a lot of things that like we will add on a lot of times, like a Dutch test you mentioned, yeah. um, or we may do mycotoxin or 
heavy metals or other things as needed. Those right. things tend to add up cost-wise. Totally. And so totally. we, we we start with just the basics, which is the yeah. genomics and blood work. And then if people need those others, um, then we add them on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then for practitioners that are interested in learning more about this and how kind of your AI and the different algorithm that you guys have built um, that condenses this information, they can obviously get in-depth training through your fellowship training on this. And they can, can they get access to using the, uh, the AI as well? Yeah. So when we, uh, the kind of problem I was describing to you of taking 10 hours to see a patient, yeah, we realized that like that was a problem, but we needed to solve it in two ways. One was developing the technology to automate that. Number two, we needed to train other providers because we don't get this. We didn't get this in medical school or residency. And it, in there, we couldn't, with the time we couldn't find a training program. And so our background was actually in education. So we had trained tens of thousands of doctors in these other skills that we were working on at the time. And so we, we spent a couple years and developed a 12 month fellowship that has over a hundred videos. It's, it's, um, online. It's also, so you watch videos on your own, there's reading on your own, but then we have a weekly meeting with everybody where we get together and go over cases and have guest speakers. So it's a pretty immersive fellowship. Um, it's 12 months, but actually we just launched a product. That's, um, a standalone shorter product where it's not as in depth. It's just a three month program as well. So at, um, wildhealth.com, if you go kind of the fellowship tab, if you're a health coach or a doctor or whatever kind of medical provider or just interested in getting into it there's options for training as well we've we've trained a lot of people who were already seeing patients and then some people who were like this is what i want to do i'm kind of fed up with my job i want to help people get get well also yeah and so the the 12 month one has a lot of group calls and a lot of kind of collaboration from the leadership and then the 3 month program is that more of like a DIY, kind of at your own pace. You're watching all the different videos, learning about the genetics. Are you able to implement the technology as well when somebody goes through that um, mm -hmm. and they get, let's say, a, a patient comes in, they, they're able to take their genetics, right? Get their, their genetic raw data, get their, um, their blood work, and then just kind of run it through that, that, the technology? Yeah, you're exactly right. So the 12 month program is the content and some mentoring. You have practice patients. It's a pretty in-depth program. The three month, program, I think it's three months is a content only. So you just go at it your own pace, learn all the content. Um, and then absolutely. So the, 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 I, the, the, the program, the platform that I mentioned, the AI-driven platform, um, that we also license that. So when providers go through the fellowship, a lot of them will want to work with us. And so we, we hire some of them as health coaches or providers. Um, and others have their own thing, want to do their own thing. We think that's awesome. Like we we can't, Wild Health can't see everyone in the world doing yeah. this. So yeah, if you go through the program, you can license the software and actually just use it in your own practice. Well, this is great, Matt. I mean, you guys are doing phenomenal work over there. And so um, guys, if you are looking for help with coaching or maybe you have a family member, maybe a family member that, you know, has early stage cognitive decline, for example, you know, uh, Matt was talking about, um, you know, the grandmother that he worked with that was dealing with Alzheimer's disease. So maybe you have a, a family member that has, that's struggling with some sort of chronic disease, or maybe it's you that wants to dramatically improve your health, optimize your overall performance, check out wildhealth.com, get set up with one of their um, clinicians and health coaches and, you know, get your labs run. Right. And so that way you can see where you're at and get the precision medicine. That's going to help you thrive in life. And if you are a practitioner 
you know, you really want to be at the cutting edge, right? And uh, unfortunately, you can't really stay the same. You got to constantly be progressing and learning. And so Wild Health, the Wild Health docs and uh, their practitioners are, are the elite, you know, they're at the top of the game. And so definitely check them out, wildhealth.com. Uh, use a coupon code JOCKERS if you want coaching or a fellowship program that will save you 20% off whatever program you're looking for. Uh, so check that out. And Matt, any last words of inspiration for our audience here? No, that's it. I think I think um, I, I we believe very strongly that functional medicine like you're doing and precision medicine in general is the path forward. I think the fastest way to get there is that individuals like you listen to your, to your podcast demand it from their providers. Medicine is slow to change. It takes a long time, but I think if people demand it, then more and more the system is going to catch up and um, we'll all be better off for it. Yeah. So key. And, and again, guys, you're not going to get this, you know, doctors don't learn this stuff in medical school, chiropractic school, natural, you know, I'm a doctor of natural medicine. I didn't learn this stuff uh, in that. So there's no real degree that teaches this. You've got to get, this is um, continuing education postgraduate that you've got to do in order to get this. And so your average practitioner out there is really not going to understand how to, how to utilize all this. So definitely check out wildhealth.com uh, and look at all their list of programs. Dr. Matthew Dawson, thanks again for your time. Guys, check out his podcast as well, the Wild Health Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys on a future podcast. Everybody be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.